episode two of Battlecry, and today we're going to look at It's Only You, but we'll come back to that in a second. So if this is <clears throat> your first time here, welcome, thank you so much um, for, for coming to listen to this. I encourage you to listen to the introduction and episode one as well. That will really help with the context of this content. And if you've come back, thank you. you know. I really want to make sure I keep on going with these podcasts and seeing people read it and just speaking to a few of you who have listened to it. It's really encouraging to just hear that the path that I'm on with this podcast is is resonating. For me, the real challenge is how do I make sure that me comes through in this podcast um, and the real me? Because if I want, I want it to be authentic. I want this, these sessions to be authentic. And really my vision for Battlecry is to create that authentic space, a community for men that will be surrounded by other men learning how to surrender all. Surrendering that life to be set apart for Christ. You and me, we are all in a battle, whether we like it or not. But the best way to come through it is to cry out in praise. And I think that authenticity is so important. My hope for these sessions is that, you know, my hope for battle cry is that, we, that men would really see the need to come together, that they would see the need of living different and being open enough to share their good, their bad, their ugly, so we can bring more men into the good than have to go through the ugly. My plan is to repeat this section over the first few sessions so that you all understand why I'm doing this. But today, as, as I mentioned a little bit before, we're going to look into a really effective lie that the enemy tells us. How often have you been doing something wrong or going through something hard and this thought drops in? Why am I the only person who has this issue? Suddenly fear comes over you and you feel it's only you going through this challenge. In this moment, I think the enemy has one objective, it's to isolate you. If he can get you on your own, focused on your own issues, focused on your failures, does that leave you feeling powerful or powerless? It's in this moment, I think the best thing you can do is get that failure into the light, making it impossible for the enemy to trap you in the dark. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The amazing thing here is God allows us to choose. He allows us to choose to live in his goodness or ultimately be trapped in sin. Why would, why do we ever make the decision to stay trapped? I'll never understand my choices, the human reasoning here. I imagine it's something something psychological that I am in no way equipped to um, to normalize. <clears throat> but I think we somehow 
normalize the entrapment that we get into in our minds and call it justice for our sins. But as always, his kingdom and what he did for us on the, on the cross behaves opposite to our natural reasoning. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 4, it says, I passed on to you what was most important and had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. In Isaiah 53, 5, he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. He wants us to live free. And whilst he would prefer, of course, that we do not sin, his blood made, has made, a way for us to live free, free from guilt, free from shame. And amazingly, God puts no time limits on this. And it can even be immediately after our latest mess. What did I say earlier? Get it into the light immediately. The quicker we turn to God, repent and cast that weakness onto him, the sooner we can be effective for his purpose. Let's not get trapped in that it's only me. Why is this only me? Some wisdom here that I heard, that I just think is really important. You know, as men, we're designed to create and have and have adventure. We are designed with a purpose. And when we put that to one side, we become vulnerable. And maybe this is a big part of the reason why we mess up. In Proverbs 16, 27, it says, Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Idle lips are his mouthpiece. I don't want to add excuses for our failures, but I want to, I want to help with how we can limit our mess-ups, but also how we can deal with them quickly. So focus on what is God, God calling you to? What are you creating? Where are you having adventure? Don't give the devil your idleness. Be active. Now, as I was researching for this this episode, I really felt drawn to Romans six, and as I read through it, just for just for living, I have to be honest. I could not put into words anything better than what's in Romans six. I'm going to read through some of it. But I believe just some of the keys that come out of this scripture are, are you ready to take ownership and accept his free gift? Romans 6. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that we were joined with Christ in baptism? We joined him in his death. But we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of his Father, now we may also have new lives. Since we've been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. 
we are no longer slaves to sin. Let's let that bit bit just sink in. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. How much easier would it be if we went through things and we just realized that we are dead to the power of sin? It has no hold. It has no rights. We give it them, but it has no rights. And we should consider ourselves, consider yourselves dead to the power of sin and alive to God. Do not let sin control the way you live. I wish I had read and taken note of these verses so much more when I was younger. Do not let sin control the way you, you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Why is it not only you? Because everyone else has sinned. But now we can live under the freedom of God's grace. But it goes on to say, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can just go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves to sin. But now you are wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from the slavery to sin and you have become slaves to the right to righteous living. Because of our weakness, because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using this illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. It's your choice. You have to choose to give yourselves to be slaves of righteous living. Choose righteous living so that you may become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were when when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. 
And what was the result? You're now ashamed of the things that you used to do. Things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves to God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. The wages of sin is death. But this is the amazing bit. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Our sin produces death. The free gift of God is eternal life. Let's go back to... January 22 and let's look at how that powerful lie of it's only you it's all your fault you're the only one with this problem I just want to share a story of how that lie led me down one of the darkest paths but I believe from a restoration perspective one of the greatest moments Oddly, as the new year was coming in, this is January 22, instead of being out celebrating the new year with my wife, Lena and I were in bed trying to sleep off what we thought was just a nasty cold. Over the next few days, I got a little bit better, but Lena was getting much worse, to the point where we ended up actually having to go to hospital with the, the junior doctor saying that she had pneumonia and that she needed to, to stay in to get checked over. Now, after waiting for about six hours and not getting looked after too much, she was discharged, which just seemed really odd to us at the time. She was sent home and just told to sleep it off. At this point, she could barely speak. Her breathing seemed he- very heavily restricted. And the next morning, she was worse. (laughs) Funnily enough, the sleep did not fix it. So we went back to A&E, and this time, for whatever reason, this time, she was immediately taken in and care started. At this point, our daughters were at my in-laws, so I went to my parents, which was close, close by. And I started to get progressively worse. I started to fear for Lena's life fear crept in I I feared for my life and at the same time I started to think this was all my fault and this was all happening because a realisation or it was just a moment that I just realised that I had been carrying around sin, I had been carrying around shame and I would brought that into our lives for a time I had struggled with porn I would struggled with a low view of myself And ultimately what I realized was I didn't trust God and I wasn't living a surrendered life to him. It was in that moment I knew that I had to reconcile my mistakes. I knew I needed to take ownership, but I was petrified. I was scared. I needed to bring my darkness into the light so that God could work his goodness. But fear crept over me more. I was consumed by the lies. It's only you. You're going to ruin everything. 
This is the thing. Sin doesn't tell you it's a trap. As it lured me in with lies, it didn't matter who it was really hurting. See, the enemy opposes God. Instead of enabling you to walk in freedom, he wants to limit you by control. And instead of you walking in truth, you're being dragged in lies. And they're designed to effectively render us powerless. If the enemy can make men ineffective, he knows he's won a large percentage of the battle. We'll get to this a little later on in, in, the, in the podcast, but or in the in the series, but we're designed to be leaders. We're designed to lead. We are leaders in whatever God has called us to. And if we're consumed by shame, how can we lead? Now, as fear crept in and quite honestly became quite all consuming, my health naturally got to the point where my parents had to call out an ambulance and I was rushed to hospital. I had really low oxygen levels. I was diagnosed with pneumonia. I had kidney stones. I was urinating blood. I felt like my body was shutting down. I was dazed, confused, and alone. To help with my breathing, I was put on oxygen and steroids. And when you couldn't think, it could get any worse. While the fear had fully gripped me, I started to hallucinate or what would later be diagnosed as steroid-induced psychosis. I feared the nurses were there to kill me. I suddenly found myself thinking I was in a simulated reality. I wasn't in a hospital, and this was all going to be the end, the end of my life. I ripped out the wires in my arms and decided I need to make a run for it and to try and escape. I got as far as the ward entrance and then realized I didn't know where to go. I was running with no plan. I was tackled. And when they pinned me down, what can only have been in my state, I figured the best way out was to try and bash myself around to try and end my life. An act that I then tried a couple more times. In that moment, I believe I'd brought myself to the end, that it was all my fault, that there was no hope. I believed in that moment that only I could have made this mistake, only had I had got us to the point of no return. And by myself, I was on a pathway to hell. At this point, I should, I should say the timelines are, are blurry and the detail so a lot of it is is still a little hazy. But it was in these crazy moments where I was quite honestly out of my mind. The nurses realized or they figured out that Lena was still in hospital in another ward. At this time, they couldn't really figure out what was triggering me. So they brought Lena to try and help, to try and help me and, and bring me down. I don't remember all of the details and Certainly one day, if I'm brave enough, we'll get Lena onto this podcast to, to talk this through. The short version, instead of the 12 to 15 hours, I convinced Lena I was on a path to hell, that I was sorry, that I was sad I would never see my family again, and that she needed to look after our girls. 
It was in this moment that God came, I believe, and said, it's time for freedom. A nurse that had somehow been looking after Lena and myself was a Christian. And in Lena's despair, she came alongside her, helped Lena to put mu worship music on and pray over us. She brought this word. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him the chastisement that brought us peace. And with this his wound and with this and with his wounds we are healed. I didn't experience instant healing. But somehow a supernatural peace suddenly came over. I no longer had suicidal thoughts. I no longer no longer thought I was on a pathway to hell. And I started what would be a, a long recovery. A long recovery out of hospital. A long recovery away from sin and shame. And a path to restoration. The enemy had trapped me, but I had allowed it. I had allowed myself to believe a lie. I had allowed myself to get caught up in actions, to look at things. And while I knew the truth, I felt trapped. In the end, if the enemy can stop you from being who God has called you, he can render you useless. He knows that we have a great calling. He knows if he can get us off track that the Lord wants us on, that he can limit the damage we would do to his plans. And I think it's a lot of it is all around that lie of it's only you. And as I said earlier, he wants to isolate you. He wants to keep you in a state of shame. There is a reason community is so powerful. Confession brings light into the darkness iron sharpens iron god's initial plan was that we would live in community walking daily with him working together not alone so how do i know what i was going through now i was not the only one according to a, a study by covenant eyes up to 60 percent of men struggle with pornography personally i think that number could be even higher but let's look at some other areas. According to a study by the NHS, it's estimated that, are, that there are around 8.5 million men in the UK who drink at levels that increase their risk of developing alcohol-related health problems, of which 2.3 million are dependent on alcohol and 1.5 million display signs of alcohol abuse. It's estimated that 1.2 million men attend a church in the UK. According to figures from the Church of England's National, National Church Life Survey, this is around 2% of the total population. Can you imagine all of those men had someone to speak with, to talk through the dark areas without judgment bringing who they are before someone what if that 2% grew to 
I think these statistics would turn around. Iron sharpens iron. God's initial plan was that we would live in community, walking daily with him, working together, not alone. As we conclude this, I just want to I just want to go through some key points that I felt I've learned over this. Own the sin. 1 John 1, 8-9 If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Psalm 32, 5, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. How amazing is that? All my guilt is gone. Share the problem. James 5, to 5, 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. 1, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Accept your forgiveness. Hebrews 10, 22, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting in him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Deal with the fallout. Hebrews 12, 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterwards there will be peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. I hope what you can see from this pod is that you're not alone. It's not only you. We need to break that lie. Also, this is not the end. There is a glorious future waiting for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. We could go on, there's Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, Psalm 37, 5 to 6, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will do this, he will make your righteous reward shine, shine like the dawn, your vindication like a noonday sun. He wants you to live in victory. He wants you to live in freedom. He knows these lies will come at you. But with all of that, with with knowing about all of our mess ups, He still died for us. He knew people would reject him and he died for them. 
he knew people would mock him and he died for them I think if he knew that and he knew about our lives and he still did what he did redemption is so close it's here already it's already a power there for us to just take a hold of and when we're wandering around confusing ourselves in that lie that is only us just remember if nothing else he is with you so until next time the, the battle as I know may be hard but the power in a cry, the power in the cry out to God is the weapon that you need. So keep on going, keep on engaging, keep subscribing, keep liking, keep engaging, joining in with the community. And let's battle cry together. <laughs>